0: This is the Notorious Bakersfield Podcast. I'm Robert Peterson, the host and creator of this podcast that takes a look back at some of Bakersfield's most notorious crimes, events, and characters. Hey folks, before jumping into the subject of this episode, uh, I wanted to give you a heads up about some things that are happening with notorious Bakersfield. First of all, uh, this weekend, the Saturday, uh, November 18th, I'm teaming up with my friends at the Kern historical society for another walking tour. I did the same tour back in April and it sold out. So for those who didn't get an opportunity to participate in April, here's your chance. This walking tour is in person and I'll be your tour guide. It will take you to crime scene locations in downtown Bakersfield. The route is about a mile, mile mile and a half long and takes about an hour to an hour and a half to complete. This is happening Saturday, November 18th at 11 a.m. I think at last week I said 1130. It's 11 a.m. So try and get there at 11 a.m. We'll begin next to KGET Studios near 21st and L Street. For a link to purchase this tour, go to NotoriousBakersfield.com and send me a message. It's $10 per person. And all of the proceeds will go to the Kern Historical Society. That's 11 a.m. Saturday, November 18th. Next, Notorious Bakersfield, the book, will be released November 24th, Black Friday. I'll be having two launch parties that day, Black Friday. Both will be at the Rusty's Pizza on Weibel Road, 1500 Weibel Road near the Valley Plaza. The first one will be at 1 p.m. The second launch party will be at the same location, Rusty's Pizza, at 5 p.m. I decided to have two parties because I know Black Friday is a hectic day and I wanted to give everyone an opportunity to buy a copy of their Notorious Bakersfield, the book. That's November 24th, Black Friday at Rusty's Pizza, 1500 Weibel Road, at 1 p.m. You can swing by for some free pizza and grab a copy of Notorious Bakersfield, the book, and I'll even sign it. If you lived in Bakersfield in the 1990s and early 2000s, the name Rachel Legan may sound familiar to you. If her name doesn't ring a bell, her voice perhaps does. Rachel delivered the news on both radio and TV and was in several, multiple local commercials. There was a period where it seemed she was all over the place in some form of media, either presenting the news or promoting a product or service on a commercial. She's what you'd call a media personality. I had the pleasure of talking to Rachel recently about some events in her life that made headlines in Bakersfield. Crimes that didn't directly involve her, but impacted her life greatly. This is Rachel Legan. I Married a Monster. Warning This episode contains graphic depictions of sexual violence and assault.
1: I'm Rachel Legan in Big Spring at the Federal Correctional Institution where an inmate escaped over the weekend but is now safely back in custody. That voice
0: may be familiar to many old-time Bakersfield TV and radio listeners. That's the voice of Rachel Legan. Even though she began her career on TV, I was most familiar with her voice on the radio. For years, I had only heard her voice. I'd never actually seen her. But I remember the first time I did see her. It was in person. What struck me most about her appearance was her youthfulness. Her voice on the radio was much more mature than how she looked. Rachel's delivery was polished, something you'd expect from a veteran news person. On the radio, she delivered the news and weather updates in a confident and authentic tone. Many radio listeners probably remember Rachel best for the morning show she and her brother co-hosted called Rachel and Dustin in the Morning. Rachel, while in high school, got her toes wet in broadcasting through an internship at KERO tv While she was doing that internship, she worked in retail at a kiosk at the Valley Plaza Mall. It was while working at that job at the mall that the West High student met Louie Light. He
1: walked by and he turned around he came back and he said, hey, I'm Louie and you're the girl I'm gonna marry. And I was just, I was floored. And I said, really? And I didn't know how to be coy or anything. I'd only had a high school boyfriend at that point. He took the phone number to the place I was working, went home and called me.
0: Louie asked Rachel for a lunch date. She accepted. That was May 1992, just a month before Rachel graduated from West High. She was 18, he was 21. His charming personality and stunning good looks swept Rachel off her feet, so much so that within six months of their first meeting, they were engaged to be married. Then in December of that year, less than a month after their engagement, Louis went to a friend's bachelor party. This party was at a bar named Roxanne's. Many of you may remember it. At this party, Louis met a young lady and took her to a motel off of Newton Drive. Louis didn't return home to his and Rachel's apartment until three o'clock in the morning. He came home acting like everything was normal. Then there was a knock on their door almost an hour later.
1: I, I thought who's knocking on the door again i was you know 18 years old i was living with louie and it was it was it was just a weird time but i was in love and he said i am arresting you after louie came down the stairs because i'm arresting you for the forcible rape of and then he he named the girl and then he took louie into our kitchen and our kitchen had a uh There was a door that you could close, you know, to to separate the living room from the kitchen. And I listened intently and he told that sheriff's deputy all the details of what he had done that night. He said, I didn't rape her. It was consensual. Well, he was arrested and I was in shock. Of course, I did not believe that he raped somebody, you know.
0: The victim claimed when they got to the motel, Louis blocked her from leaving the room. He then took a closet dowel, one of those things you hang your clothes up on in the closet. It stretches the length of the closet. Using that dowel to intimidate the young lady, he ordered her to get on the bed. He slammed the dowel on the mattress next to the victim's head, and he sexually assaulted that young lady he had just met. Louis claimed to both the police and Rachel that the sex was consensual. The victim was married and she cried rape because of her husband. Yes, Louis admitted he cheated on Rachel, but he was innocent of what the young lady was accusing him of. Rachel believed her fiancé's side of the story. She bailed him out of jail. She was standing by her man through thick or thin. Rachel acknowledged Louis cheated on her. But she couldn't bring herself to believe that the man she was going to be marrying in nine months was a rapist. The case went to trial. Louis Light was tried before a jury of his peers, charged with Penal Code 261.2, the crime of rape by force or fear. It was his word against the victims. Louis maintained that the sex he had with the victim was consensual. He didn't force her. She willingly had sex with him. Louis argued that she only claimed rape because she was married and had regrets about cheating on her husband. And that jury, just like his fiance, believed him. believe Louis over the victim. And he was acquitted of that crime.
1: The reason he got off on that rape, um, he was able to get off because... She had given him her phone number on a napkin that night, and that is what the jury... And and he was very charming. The jury saw that as evidence of her lying, that it had to have been consensual or else why would she have a big heart on this napkin that said, call me. Through all of that,
0: Rachel stayed with Louie. Every relationship has its ups and downs. Rachel reconciled with herself that... What they just experienced was probably what most relationships are riddled with.
1: And I knew these things inherently, like in my gut was telling me this is bad. He slept with somebody else. Oh my gosh. And then I would, I would, I told a few relatives and at the time they said, oh, he's perfect. You know what men cheat, he was drinking, she was married. She needed to tell her husband something why she was late.
0: The feelings she had in her gut Conflicted what she was feeling in her heart.
1: And constantly thinking to myself, oh my God, what am I doing? But I thought I'll never, ever, ever have some guy like this again. I'll never be somebody to love me like this.
0: They stayed together, stayed engaged, and got married in September 1993. Louie and Rachel began a landscaping business. Rachel was making a name for herself in the local media, Louie worked to grow their small business.
1: We had a really good little life. I was working at uh, Kern and KGFM, and uh, I was reporting and also being on the morning shows.
0: November 8, 1994 was going to be a busy workday for Rachel. It was election day the 1994 midterm elections. During the morning, she was covering the big news stories in Bakersfield. Knowing she'd be working late into the night, covering the election, that afternoon, Rachel went home to take a break, to rest up a little bit before the polls closed here in California.
1: I got home at noon, and Louie was home, and that was very unusual. I said, what are you doing here? Not only was he home he was making all of the food in the house he had the barbecue going he had the oven going and he was boiling potatoes on the stove and and I said what is what's happening what are you doing he said i'm just really hungry and i thought that is the weirdest answer i've ever heard you're you're making all our food he said well i think i'm going to buy a new refrigerator and at the same time he was washing all of his clothes. Again, I thought it was so strange, but I didn't know what he was doing. And I knew I had to go back to work, but I had a weird feeling in my stomach.
0: Election night 94. It's 9 p.m. in the East. Polls just closed in 10 more states. Headline at this hour Big Night. Pete for Wilson won re election as California's governor, and Republicans won control of the United States House of Representatives. That election, Rachel was assigned to cover the events at Bakersfield's Republican headquarters. A colleague approached her.
1: I remember being there and Gavin says, Rachel, this is gonna sound really, really weird. And I don't want you to feel weird me asking you this. He goes, but today on the police scanner, Carol and I were out doing a story and uh, came across that Louie's name was mentioned. Well, they knew who Louie was because, you know, we had all these press events, you know, all the, I mean, the local press knew that I was married to this Louie guy. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, "He was on the scanner for a robbery and rape in Campus Park on Seeger Court. And I said, what? And he goes, yeah, I know it's probably a case of mistaken identity, but um, I just wanted to tell you. And he goes, that was about uh, 11 o'clock this morning. And I said, "Okay." And I remember I was literally with the district attorney at the time, sitting next to him, talking to him, and he, and he he was telling me where the phone was in the in you know, in this building that we were in. And I went and I called Louis. was I said, "Listen, I have to ask you something. This is really weird, but were you doing clients gardening clients? You know, were you do, do you do homes in Capas Park today?" And he said, "Well, yeah." And I go, well, Gavin from Channel 29, you know, he's a cameraman. He told me that he and Carol heard your name over police scanner that your truck, which was a very distinctive old Dodge, old, old, like it was from the 40s or something. It was this old, disgusting truck we had for the garden gardening um, business. I said, they saw or your scanner, the scanner guy or the scan, the police scanner said, you know, this is the license plate that the neighbor saw and this is who it belongs to and for a robbery and rape and he goes did they say if there was one guy or two and I go what and he said was it one guy or two and I hung up the phone and I, I literally drove home I confronted him I said what, what do you why would you ask me that because I already knew he'd been arrested for rape before you know but this was a stranger rape this was you know this was a real estate agent this was something totally different and his truck was there and he goes i said why would you why would it you know what what happened nothing happened everything's fine you know because i had seen him earlier in the day and then i all these things and i thought oh my god oh my god you know and again i couldn't talk to anybody it was getting later at night it was like i said election night And I remember just being in the bathtub and being scared and going to work because I had to be at work like at 2.30 in the morning. And I got there and I remembered I I couldn't wait for the Bakersfield Californian to arrive because I wanted to see if there was anything in the news about it. And lo and behold, there was. So my news director had come in that morning and goes, hey. These are your stories for the day. And one of them was find out where they are on the investigation to this uh, rape that happened in Campus Park yesterday. So that was my story to do. I didn't say anything to Louie, but I called the PIO at the Bakersfield PD. I was very good friends with the PIO at the time. We all were, because he was the public information officer. I said, listen, my husband drives a green Dodge truck. He was in Campus Park yesterday. He, you know, I told him the whole thing. And he goes, Oh, you're being silly. Don't worry about it, Rachel. It wasn't him. That's not the guy's name that we have here. We have two guys, and there's no his name is not on here. Whatever that he was looking at.
0: Rachel went home when she got off work.
1: And uh I remember clearly, I keep saying clearly because these stay, these memories stay. I was wearing a red turtleneck and black pants my tape recorder in my hand with my KERN news microphone and I could see from my front door all the way out to my to the back alley because the door had been left open it was cold it was November and the kitchen was dirty and Louis was a neat freak and I'm looking out, and I walked out, I can, I, I'm almost like trying to do the movement right now. I walked out to the back, back past our backyard, out of the door, and there were two police officers there, and they had Louie in handcuffs. And they said, what are you doing here? We have not released this information yet.
0: The police had Louie in custody when the young reporter seemingly appeared out of nowhere, with microphone in hand, the officers assumed she was there covering the story.
1: And I said, that's my husband. I live here. I said, look, um, what's happening? Well, we're arresting him for rape. And I looked at Louie and I was just in shock. And I said, is it OK if I go in the house and get a jacket for him? And can I go to the police station with you? And they said, well, sure. So they put me in the back of the car with him what what has he done to this woman you know and uh, I knew she was alive because the paper had said that she was you know and they put me in a room with him he was locked to and I wish I could see these videos I wish I could you know I had the video of that moment and I know they have it I just never asked for it but they put me in a little room with him and he was chained to the wall and I said, you have to tell me what happened. Well, they put me in there because they said, he's not telling us what he did. Can you ask him? I looked at him. I said, what'd you do? What did you do? And he kept pointing to his head and he goes, well, I raped that lady. I did. I raped her. I said, why? And he pointed to his head and he said, something is wrong with me up here, Bubbas. That's what he used to call me was Bubbas. And he goes, I don't know. I woke up this morning or yesterday morning, that, that the morning of the rape, and I knew I was going to do something wrong. And I said, you knew you were going to. What did you? Why? I don't know why. I didn't think I was going to rape anybody, but I knew I was going to do something wrong. I'd been thinking about it for a while. I said. <laughs> I was incredulous. I didn't know how to react.
0: On November 8th, the day of the crime, Louis called a real estate agent to make an appointment to see a listing, a vacant house for sale. He told the agent a friend had referred him. Louis later claimed that he went to the homeless shelter. He was looking for an accomplice to help him rob the real estate agent. He says he found a willing accomplice. The two men went to the campus park home where Louie told the agent he'd meet her. They parked Louie's pickup a few houses away. They forced entry into the vacant house where they waited for their victim. The agent parked in front of the house. Not seeing any other cars parked in front, the agent assumed she arrived ahead of the man who made the appointment. She unlocked the front door and entered. Even though it was late morning, the interior was dark. She went to the living room to open the blinds. Now, with the living room cast in sunlight, the female agent was startled to discover she wasn't alone in the house. Louis was standing five feet away. He was wearing wraparound sunglasses and was holding a wooden club. He told her to get down on the ground, to do what he said, or she'd get hurt. She recognized his voice from the phone from earlier in the day when he made the appointment. The agent turned around to run out the front door, but saw a second man standing between her and the exit. She turned back around and attempted to run past Louis. She was trying to run down the hallway. She was trying to escape any way possible, but her efforts were futile. She was cornered. Louis grabbed her arm and flung her to the floor. She was face down. She was warned to comply or they'd hurt her. Two men removed rings from her fingers, two from each hand. Even though she couldn't see, the victim since the second man had left. She was alone with Louis. He wrestled to remove the victim's clothing and then sexually assaulted her. When Louis was finished and she felt confident her assailants had left the house, the battered victim went to a neighboring home for help. A neighbor reported to police that an old green pickup truck was seen in the vicinity of the crime. The information about the sexual assault was broadcast over the police radio with a description of the pickup. When that information was broadcast, a Bakersfield City employee was listening to a scanner. He was in the area having his lunch and he witnessed a pickup matching the description. This city employee took down the truck's license plate number and turned it into investigators. And that is how Louis Light was initially connected to this brutal sexual assault. Now here's a detail that will send a chill down your spine, a detail that strongly suggests Louis was guilty of that first assault he was accused of, the one he was acquitted of. The wooden club the real estate agent saw Louis holding when she first encountered him wasn't a club. It was a wooden closet dowel, the same type of instrument he was accused of using that first time, that first victim two years prior. After this rape accusation, Rachel Legan filed for divorce. She didn't need to wait for a jury's verdict to make that decision. She knew in her heart that Louis was guilty. And the jury that eventually sat in judgment of Louis concurred with Rachel's verdict. Guilty. The court sentenced Louis Light to 52 years in prison. The second victim, the real estate agent, Louie sexually assaulted, she had significant injuries as a result of that assault. When the crime occurred, she was still recovering from recent foot surgery. During the assault, damage was done to that foot, and it required another surgery. The second man that was with Louis, police never located. I asked Rachel if she had a message for that first victim, the young woman Louis assaulted at the motel.
1: And I hope that she and her, her husband uh, had a good life, or have a good life. I know that um, he was there with her. He believed her, her husband did, you know? Yes, her husband believed her. Good guy, good guy.
0: Rachel has this advice for any other young lady, or anybody really, who might find themselves in similar circumstances.
1: It doesn't matter if you are getting ready to get married, if the invitations are bought, if the cake is ordered, if your dress has been fitted, it does not matter. Your family loves you, and they will understand if you say, I'm not going to do this. Do not do it for anybody else for me but you trust your gut trust it because it's always right we don't want to think it's right we want to rationalize but it is always right that's why you have it that's why we have a sixth sense that's what it is it's saying listen to me don't push me away because that's what we do we rationalize because we want it to be another way but it's not and go through the pain you know you got to go through it You'll come out the other side. Like, I, I I always like to say everything will be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. And like Maya Angelou says, when somebody shows you who they are, you must believe them the very first time. By the
0: way, as a side note, I'm going to do some commentary here. The city of Bakersfield and the county of Kern are overhauling their radio communications. In a few years, all the local police and fire radio frequencies will be encrypted. The public won't have the ability to listen to police frequencies on the scanner, a hobby of mine for more than 30 years. If that was the case back in 1994 when this crime occurred, the detectives wouldn't have received that tip, that information leading to the apprehension and conviction Of a rapist. A citizen listening in on the scanner was able to provide a crucial piece of evidence that led to the arrest of a suspect, probably solving this crime. So when a Bakersfield City or Kern County official tells you what a great thing this new encrypted radio system will be, remind them of this case. Louis Light was recently up for parole. September of this year, 2023, the parole board deemed Louis Light not suitable for parole. He was denied. Resources used for this story, The Bakersfield, Californian, caselaw.com, People versus Light, and thank you to Rachel Legan for sharing her unique perspective to this story. This is Robert Peterson. Thank you for tuning in to this episode. I'll be back next week, next Tuesday, with another Notorious Bakersfield story. Until then, stay safe, stay out of trouble. You, you know what? I'll let Rachel say the rest.
1: You know, Robert, you do say this. You say, now don't become a subject, the subject of the next Notorious Bakersfield. And here I am, avid listener and partly a subject. <laughs>
0: See you right back here next Tuesday.